0: Those who I'm just, I got a list right here. Those who hate you, those who curse you, those who abuse you, who strike you, who take from you, who beg from you, those who don't love you, those who don't do good things to you, those people who are ungrateful. These are the people Jesus is considering as our enemies that he's telling us to love. Earlier in this passage, we didn't read it, but earlier in this chapter, he's you know talking about other aspects of the kingdom, and he says. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. And so I'm, I'm going to take those guys. I'm going to lump them also into the category of my enemies, right? People who exclude me, revile me, spurn me, decide that I'm not worth it. Those are all people that I can consider my, ev- or consider my enemies. Um, and this passage of Luke 6 is a parallel passage. Uh, very similar teachings are given in Matthew 5, which is the famous Sermon on the Mount. And in that list of loving your enemies, Jesus, Jesus includes those who persecute you, right? And so the spectrum of our enemies is a very wide spectrum. Because in the Jewish day, like they, in this Jesus' day, these people were a conquered people. They were subjects of Rome. And the Roman people, they could walk all over Jewish right. They didn't really have any. If a, Jew, if a Roman soldier saw a Jewish person and was carrying a bag, he's like, ah, I don't want to carry this. You carry this. Walk with me a mile. Um, it, you know, if someone looked at him wrong, he could say, okay, well, I do not like that look. You're going to jail. You're going to be flogged. You're going to be beaten. I like that shirt. Give it to me. Like that kind of stuff. And so they lived in a, in a culture where having enemies was not like a metaphorical problem. They really had enemies. They really had these things happen to them. And Jesus is saying, love those people. So that's the far end of the, spe- the spectrum, you could say, like the extreme stuff, Right? But then, even on the other end of the spectrum, he has people who beg from you, people who ask you to lend them things. And to me, that doesn't sound like I don't typically consider those people my enemy. I consider them more of an inconvenience. It's like, I I don't want to give you this. Like, I know you're going to give it back, but I don't, like, you know, maybe you'll lose it. I don't like that. Um, And so, from this, I'm kind of coming to the conclusion that our enemies are anyone who's, like, opposed to my wishes, anyone who gets in my way. It could be ISIS, ISIS. Or it could be, you know, on a bad day, it could be my wife. <laughs> or it could be my child. Like, oh, I want you to go to sleep, baby. If you're not going to sleep, my enemy right now. This is what, this is what I'm feeling. Um, and so Jesus tells us that we are supposed to love our enemies. And then, all right, okay, so I got my enemies locked down. I know who those are. But why? Why should I love my enemy, Jesus? This seems kind of like a crazy idea. You tell me that when someone hits me, I'm supposed to give them my other cheek. I, that doesn't... I don't like that. Um, Jesus gives a number of reasons, but we're going to look at two today from this passage as to why we love our enemies, besides the fact that he tells us to, you know, so we just should. Um, So Jesus says in verse 35, Love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. So the two reasons Jesus gives to love our enemies is because our reward will be great and we will be sons of the most high. And when I take that second part out of context, it kind of sounds like I could hear, all right, if I love my enemies, then I'll be a son of the most high. Then I'll be God's child. So I need to do this in order to be God's child. But we know from looking at the rest of the context that that's not what Jesus means. He doesn't mean, oh, do this so that you can enter into the kingdom. Um, the last verse says, be merciful, even as your father is merciful. So Jesus is considering his audience already God's children. He says, your father does this. That's why you do this. And so that's the motivation that we get from or for loving our enemies is because our dad does it. And that's who we are. Right. Right. Um, our goal is to be like children. And, you know, sometimes I love seeing kids do this, but children will look at their parents, and they know, I am destined to be like that. Like, this son will be like, I'm destined to be like my dad. So I'm going to put on his shoes, and I'm going to put on his tie. I'm going to pick up my briefcase, I'm going to go to work. Um, my uh, nephew, my, so my, one of my younger brothers, he's a music teacher, and uh, he plays guitar all the time. He g- carries a bunch of instruments to his school so that he can play. Um, for for his students. And my nephew, his son, sees that and he's like, I know that's who I am. Like, this is my character, right? And so he's got all these like little toy instruments and he will seriously pick them up, pick up every single instrument he has, strapped into his body and tell his mom or tell me, I'm going to work now, see you later. (laughs) Because he knows, he knows in his heart of hearts that I am like my dad. Like, I've got that in me, so I'm going to be like that. And that's the motivation that we have. That's the power we have to love our enemies. Our dad does it, and so we can do it. Um, did you know that God loves his enemies? He's, when, there's, when there's a nice day, when the sun's shining and the breeze is blowing and it's a beautiful day, God gives that day to everyone, right? He gives that to people who love him, who worship him, who are here on Sunday like they're supposed to be, praising God. Um, I mean, he also gives it to people who, are, who don't love him. He gives it to people who hate him. He gives it to people who don't even believe he exists. Right? He showers that gift on everyone indiscriminately. He's like, I love all of all these people, and so I'm gonna bless all of these people. Um, and in a similar manner, we were God's enemies once, right? This is the whole crux of the gospel that once before Jesus, we were God's enemies. Our thoughts, we didn't think about God, we didn't honor God, we did not worship God, our thoughts were evil. And Jesus, God saw our evilness, he saw our hatred of him and said, I love my enemies. I love these people. I'm going to come and die for them so that they can be with me. And even though, and like, if you think about it, Jesus did this, right? And not everyone even accepted that. You would think, okay, well, if I see this huge act of love, people are definitely going to respond to this. But that's not even what God's mindset was. He's was like, I'm going to do this regardless of who responds to me and who doesn't. Uh, when Jesus died on the cross, when the, he said, Father, forgive these people, down here who are spitting at me and still making fun of me, even as I'm dying. Um, and so that is what, that's what our father does, and that's what we have the power to do. Um, so, where am I? Got a little, got a little off track here. Um, so yeah, so that's that's the first part of it, right? That's the first reason why we can love our enemies is because our dad does it and we are like our dad. He's given us that nature and that's where we're going. The second reason he gives is our reward will be great. And I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't sound, if someone hits me here and I love them hit me here, it doesn't sound like a great reward to me. I don't like that. Um, so what could he mean? So my first thought is what is my reward for not loving my enemies? What do I get out of that? And to be honest, maybe you guys are holier than me, but I... I kind of like it when someone who does something bad to me, gets, I get to do something back to them. I get my payback, my booyah moment, like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't have done that, and now you know why. <laughs> Don't mess with me. Um, I get a little bit of like a, ooh, that feels good inside. Um, but that feeling, if I am wise enough to recognize, it does not last very long, and it usually gets flipped back around on me. Because now I've given that person something to get vengeance on, right? They're thinking, oh, he just got me. I need to get him back. Where's my booyah moment? And so it creates this kind of cycle of violence. Um, My wife and I, Emma, we read a book once called Love and Respect. And the core concept of this book is something that they call the crazy cycle. And that's the idea that if I have a deep need that needs to be met, let's say my deepest need is to be respected. And Emma's deepest need is to be loved. And I know this. If I don't feel like my needs are being met, my typical earthly human reaction is to say, okay, well, I'm going to, uh, Emma's not meeting my needs right now. She's not respecting me like I know I need to be respected. So I'm not going to do this thing that I know is loving to her because I want to punish her. She's going to, it'll help her shape up. She'll see that I'm displeased and then she'll get her act together. Praise the Lord. Uh, But then when I do that, when I don't show love to Emma, then she's over there thinking, huh, he's not loving me like I need to be loved. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to withhold that respect that I know he needs to punish him so that he can get his act together and so that he knows that I'm displeased with him. Praise the Lord. And so we kind of just get into this loop of, like, no one's needs getting met, tension building, animosity building, all this kind of stuff. And the only reason or the only way to get off of this cycle is if someone intentionally steps back and says, okay, I regardless of the fact that my needs aren't getting met, I'm going to step forward and meet these needs. Uh, I'm going to love Emma even though she's not respecting me because I know that she needs to be loved. Or I'm going to respect Jason even though he's not loving me because I know that he needs to be respected. Um, and I think that this is, this is one of the things that Jesus has in mind when he says, love your enemies and give them the other cheek and the like. Um, there's a verse in Galatians where Paul is writing to a church that's experiencing division, and he says, if you keep on backbiting, watch out or you're going to devour each other. And I feel like that is the, the reality of the reward that I get for not loving my enemies, is eventually I'm going to get eaten all up, right? Um, and so that's what we, one of the things that we're trying to avoid. Um, and so how... Then do we do that? All right, so I understand now God's got good reasons. Okay, God, you're wise. You've got good reasons for me to love my enemies. Um, but how do I do that? Like, how is it possible? Because one of the things that uh, is a con- concern of mine is that if I do this, then I'm going to be a doormat. People are going to walk all over me. My needs aren't going to be met, right? It's a very serious concern, something that I have. Um, but again, the way that we figure out what does it mean to love our enemies is to look at our father because that's who we are, right? We are his children. We are his family. We have his nature. Um, and so God is able to tolerate and be patient with us in our sin on this earth for at least two reasons. I mean, there's probably more, but I can, I'm going to talk about two right now. Um, one reason is that he knows that at the end of time, everyone's going to have to pay for everything that they've done, right? There is no wrong that is going to be unpunished. There is no right that is going to be unrewarded. Every single thing, we're going to have to give an account for every single thing that's happened, whether good or bad. Right? So God's not up there worrying, oh, if I don't say something right now, they're going to get away with it. Because he knows at the end we're all going to come into account. Right? And even better news for us, the good news of the gospel, is that God in his love already took care of that payment. Through Jesus, all of the punishment for all of the sins, all of the evil things we do, all of the selfish thoughts we have, all of the God-hating, God-ignoring things that we do, he's already paid that, right? When you hear something evil happening, and you get that righteous anger stirring up inside of you, like, someone must be punished. Jesus already was. Like, God took all of that anger. That anger that's in us is a reflection of the anger that's in God at evil, right? Sometimes we like to treat sin as like, oh, well, I only told a little lie, That gets the same response from God as, like, the biggest evil, the biggest affront to ourselves that we can have. So, like, the most angry, the angriest you can be about anything evil happening to you, God is more angry than that at sin all the time. And he poured all of that anger on Jesus. Jesus took that and buried it in the ground so that we didn't have to live in this area, in this culture of, oh, evil's done, I must be punished, because that punishment was already taken care of. We're just like our dad, right? We're just like our father. Our power to love our enemies comes from being like God, from being his children. Um, and so in the same way, I, don't, I no longer have to worry that someone's going to get away with some evil they've done to me. Because I know that the payment, the balance has already been, the scale has already been balanced. God has already paid for that sin. And so when I have evil done to me, I don't have to take it out. If Brendan does something bad to me, which, ever Um, i don't have to take it out on brendan because i can take that pain to the cross i can say okay jesus i've got this pain this person did something to me i'm so mad at this but i can give this to you i can pray this out to god and god can replace that with peace the peace that he already feels because he that anger that he that i was feeling he's already taken that and poured it out on jesus i can do the same thing because i am like my dad um And so, so that's one, you know, that's one of the ways that we don't have to, have to worry about our needs getting met, right? Our needs have already been met in Jesus. So, like, not only can I take my pain to the cross, I can take my needs to the cross, right? Because the other aspect of it is, okay, well, sure, fine, punishment has been done. I don't have to worry about being angry at this person anymore because I can, you know, bring that to the cross. But – I'm still left on my own here. I still have to, you know, I'm still not being loved or I'm not being respected or I'm not being whatever else I need. But again, this is something, some, some, uh, this is something that we get from our father, right? We come to God to get those things, not from other people. We go to people to give out. We come to God to get. Um, and so we, have, we love because he first loved us. God's love has been poured into our hearts, and that fills us up to be able to love all the people around us, even our enemies. Um, so that's the how can I do that possibility question. And then there, there's also the question of, okay, well, how can I do that practically? Like, what does it mean to love my enemies? What am I supposed to do? Um, and so, again, I'm just going to go through and list the things that Jesus mentions here as ways to love our enemies. He says, do good to them. So I'm going to, like, if I have an enemy, if I have someone who's trying to get on my case, just be in my way or whatever, I'm going to seek out ways to do good for them. I'm going to think, what do they need? How can I help them? I'm going to do that. Um, blessing them, same, same concept. Praying for them. And when he says praying for them, if you take it in the context of everything else, he's not saying, all right, God, this person's on my case. Lord, blast him. <laughs> it's not the, prayer, not the kind of prayer that we're, we're talking about here, right? If we're looking at the context, he's saying, love your enemies. Do good to them. Bless them. So when I pray for them, I'm praying for good things to happen to them, right? And it's like, ooh, if I pray, though, God might actually do that. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about that. Um, But that's one of the great things about prayer is the more time we spend with our dad, the more we become like our dad, right? So there have been times when I've been angry about a situation or angry at a person, and I've been praying about it, and I start off with, like, God, I'm so angry right now. And then I start talking about, okay, but you want me to love this person? I guess I, I guess you can help them with this, and I maybe help them with that. And then as I pray, God changes my heart, and I start to come to a place more where I do earnestly want, I see the pain that they have that caused them to cause me the pain that they gave me, and I'm like, God, I want you to heal that. I want you to do your work in them so that they know that they're loved, so that they don't have to be like this, they don't feel like they need to um, oppress people or whatever, wrong they've done to me. Um, and so when we pray, God changes our heart to be more like him, and that's one of the powerful things about praying for our enemies. Um, he says, help, helping them when they ask, you know, lending to them and not expecting anything in return. And I think that's a difficult one for me, too, because you might take from what I've said so far that, okay, so the secret is, if I love my enemies, then they'll be nice to me, right? If I love if, you know, with the whole crazy cycle thing, I could take the, the idea of, okay, if I am, love Emma, then she's going to respect me. And that's good. I get the win there. But Jesus says to lend to people without expecting anything in return. So our goal is not to change the other person, right? You could love people and have them not love you back. You could love your enemies, and they could be like, oh, great. And they could continue to just stomp all over you, like, this is so great. it's easy. Um, but again, we look to our Father, right? And God, what does God do when he loves someone who does not respond to him? He keeps on loving them. He keeps on going for them. He keeps on blessing them. He keeps on reaching out to them. He keeps on trying to heal that relationship, right? And so that's what we're looking for to, in our own selves, in our own lives. We want to be like our dad. We know that we're destined to be that way. Um, and so even when we don't get that payback, when we don't get the, great, the gratitude or whatever, we are still looking to love our enemies because we are receiving from God and because we know that that's what our, what our dad is like. Um, and so if you want more ways, like, okay, well, what does it look like to love our enemies? You can look to everyone's favorite chapter on love, which is First Corinthians 13. And it says that love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. (sighs) It does not delight in evil. So when bad things happen to the bad people, it's not like, yes, thank you, Jesus. It does not delight in evil. It rejoices in truth. It always protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. And, you know, usually, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I usually hear this verse applied to, oh, your spouse and, oh, maybe your children, and, you know, your parents and the like, your friends, but Jesus says to love our enemies, and this is what the Bible defines love as. So it's like, oh, this is how I'm supposed to act to, like, the worst people I can imagine. This is, like, God's call to me, and he's not calling us to do something that he does not do, right? Our power from this does not come from ourselves. It's not like, all right, I need to just get my mind in the right place and muster up the willpower to be loving because I'm just that good of a person. It's that God has done a work in my heart. He has changed me and made me his son. He's made you his children. And so now that you are his children, you have the power to do this, right? It comes from God. It does not come from you. Um, So, yeah. I think that's about it. (laughs) So, yeah, if the uh, band come up come up to the front trying to think about like how what are ways that we can respond to this today right what are practical ways that we can do this um and so there are a couple things that i thought up you can resp- you know ask god how he wants you to respond but the first thing that came to my mind is that it's really difficult i want to say impossible but i don't want to over speak um to love and forgive someone when you don't know that you are loved and forgiven right the power to do this, again, it does not come from ourselves. It comes from being like our dad. And being like our dad, that means we know, I know that I have family. I know that I've got someone who's always got my back, who's always watching out for my needs, and who forgives every single thing that I've ever done or will do. Right? That's where the power to forgive comes from. And so it's really difficult to, to love and forgive when you don't know that you are loved and have been forgiven. And so the first response that I have is, Where are you in that with God? Like, do you know that you are loved? Do you know that you're forgiven? Talk to God about that. Like, come forward, pray, ask God, God, how do you love me? How have you forgiven me? Um, And just really seek to have God establish that truth in your hearts. Because it is true. We just sometimes need to bring it up from, oh, I've heard this. It's in my mind to, it's in my heart. I believe this. This is how I'm living from this center. Um, And then... The second way to respond is is the, I think, more direct, obvious way in my mind of, oh, I need to love my enemies. Okay, so God, highlight an enemy in my mind that I need to love and forgive. Like, show me your heart, your vision of this person, and free me up in a way that I can forgive this person. Give me so much of your love, so much of an awareness of me being your child that I know, okay, I'm like my dad, and so I'm going to forgive this person. And I'm going to love this person. And you know, give me a practical way to do this. Um, so yeah, that's, you can do that up here in the front. There will be some people up here to pray for, with you if you need help. Because sometimes it's helpful to get other people to pray with you in these things. Um, you can pray in the seats if you want. You can turn to someone else next to you and ask them to pray for you. But let's just take some time to respond to God in this. Um, I'm going to lead us into this time with some prayer. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for making us your children. God, I thank you for giving us your nature, for giving us your likeness, God, that we can be like you because you live in us, Lord. Um, I pray, God, that you would help us to respond to this world, uh, this, this broken, pain-filled world, in the way that you respond to us, God. I pray that you would help us to bring our pain to you as many times as that pain comes up, God. If we forgive someone today and then tomorrow that pain comes up again, Lord, let us go right back to you with it, God. As many times as it takes, Lord, so that we are made more like you in your presence. In Jesus' name.